For those involved in livestock agriculture, the abbreviation AI tends to foster thoughts of a breeding practice, but AI has another meaning. Artificial intelligence is that term, and it's one we're hearing increasingly about in the news and one that many in business are trying to better understand. Welcome to Feedstuffs in Focus, our podcast, taking a look at the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and animal feed industries. I'm your host, Sarah Muirhead. In this episode, Hinda Mitchell, president of Inspire PR, joins us to share her insights on the use of artificial intelligence as a public relations and marketing tool. What is its accuracy? What is the real cost of getting your message wrong? And what do we need to know? Hinda, you're an expert in all things related to kind of managing your business from a public facing front, um, corporate messaging, crisis management, staff management, all of those things. So so welcome today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. So Hinda, give us a little bit of background on yourself and on Inspire sure. PR. Sure. Well, we are uh, based in Columbus, Ohio, uh, and we are a PR firm by name, but but really also issues management. And, and probably about 40% of our work is in uh, food and agriculture, and we've been doing that for about 30 years. So let's get into the discussion here today and start us off with the definition of AI. When we talk about artificial intelligence, what exactly are we talking about? Well, again, we're talking about machine learning, machine intelligence. And it's really, um, it is is just that, it's artificial intelligence. And, and AI has the power to make really sweeping changes across how we live, work, play. Um, AI is, is mostly based in algorithm development and data analytics. And an AI system is only really as good as the training that it gets. And so as they develop those algorithms, develop that, the, those data sets, um, then AI can can start to actually do its job. And, you know, we use it really every day. And, and I think we don't even think about it. It's gotten a lot more attention lately with the um, advent of chat GPT, but we've really been using it for much longer than, than that. You know, you've got cars that drive or park themselves. We have Alexa and Siri and other um, assistants like that. Um, when it autofills your text, that's an algorithm. Um, when you're on an airline site, I don't know how you are, Sarah, I know you travel a lot too, but you often end up talking on an airline website to a chat bot before you ever get to talk to an actual human. Um, that's artificial intelligence. Um, and even, even something as simple as how your emails are spam filtered, that uses a kind of machine learning algorithm that says this is spam and this is regular email. You mentioned algorithms. How do they factor in then to artificial intelligence? I mean, artificial intelligence is probably only as good as those algorithm algorithms, would they not be? Um, that's right. And, and really, that can be a very narrow um, set where it does a very specific task or a set of tasks, like go find this image, right? You know, here's a picture, go find image recognition like it, or a speech and language algorithm that translates what you're saying. Um, and then really, there's you know, stronger AI and, and bigger algorithms and data sets are capable of performing any intellectual tasks a human can. Scary, right? And it really starts with sort of generative AI, uh, which is sort of that, you know, AI that sounds like a person, you know, chatting, Alexa, Siri, those are examples of that. Um, artificial general intelligence is where it really starts to reason, right? It starts to sort of take that data and make, can draw conclusions based on that. 
And then there's the one that everybody talks about, which we'll get to a little bit later, which is sort of that sentient um, intelligence, which is that, you know, AI that actually thinks it's a person. Um, of course, what's really brought AI into the front and center of so many conversations right now is, is chat GPT, which is really the biggest and the fastest growing web platform ever. And that's generative AI um, because it can scale large volumes of information in seconds. I know you've played around with it. I've certainly played around with it a lot. And, you know, with chat GPT, the future really is, is that the entire communications workflow can be driven in large part by technology. Um, the newest versions of GPT, um, some people say they can do, it can do math, it can do coding, it can diagnose illnesses, um, psychology, and really without any special prompting or data inputs. Um, you know, artificial general intelligence, that has the ability to learn from experiences, and that's that next level. You know, and then there's the AI that sort of sci-fi novels are made of, right? Can it get so advanced that it can have feelings, desires, be aware of its own existence? And, and that's the one sort of that, you know, gets, gets very dramatic. It scares people, you know, computers taking over our world. Um, and, and, you know, obviously most people still say that's that's highly unlikely, um, but but nobody's sort of willing to say it's zero probability. So it's something we gotta, we gotta think about as well. You know, you think about the Terminator movie uh, and robots who became self-aware and then sort of turned against humanity. Um, but so self-aware AI really is still mostly theoretical, but it's definitely a place where that controversy is bubbling up as we talk more about it. And we talk about um, chat GPT and, and communications and, and PR and all that. They're, they're not going to need us anymore, Hinda, right? <laughs> well, you know, there, there have been some concerns about that and, and whether it really has the potential to replace labor. Um, but, you know, I, I like to think that while it may be helpful for sort of giving you a starting point, uh, it's never going to take the replace of sort of the human ability to look and analyze and that really higher level thinking that that is impacted, you know, by your environment and your emotions and empathy. And it just it's not going to get there yet. No little avatars doing interviews quite yet. So. <laughs> not yet, but we could have tried it today. <laughs> We could have, we should have. So when we talk about artificial intelligence and, and what's good for agriculture and business in general, what do you, what's kind of your forecast? What's your projections there? Sure, sure. So it, I think that one of the biggest things, so a lot of my time is spent in internal communications, helping, helping farming and food businesses talk with their internal teams and their employees. And, and one of the things that, you know, gets in the way for us sometimes are language barriers um, and language barriers in the workplace. That's a place where AI really can help because it can do real-time language translation. And I think that could really hold some promise um, for those of us in the agriculture community. From a business perspective in general, um, there's a lot that AI can do in the world of finance, um, analyzing financial data, identifying patterns in data, detecting fraudulent um, financial activity. Um, so there's some opportunities there. And, you know, the one that we were really just talking about, which is, is the ability of um, AI for language modeling. And as you think about writing, uh, some of those sort of basic memos that go out, right? Like your quarterly HR benefits package or whatever that might be, um, you know, other materials. But it's really important. There have been some, some big criticisms lately of organizations that have sent sort of really sensitive memos. Um, and then it was discovered later that they were written with chat GPT. 
And, and that's, that, that doesn't go well, right? It doesn't feel transparent. It's not a substitute for the human touch. And so you really have to be mindful of using it appropriately and making sure that, that your opportunity is there to sort of personalize and edit that. But we see a lot of people in our field starting to use it for basic social media content, basic blog posts, and things like that, that we can then personalize and edit and tailor. So writing is going to be a big piece, I think, for the business community and for agriculture as well. Um, we talked about the airlines and, and customer service, obviously, is a place where AI has been really active already. Um, Chatbots and virtual assistants that can help improve customer service, speed up times because you're not waiting for a human to be available, things like that. Um, and we know as we're thinking about food trends and things like that, AI can help us understand consumer behavior. It can analyze sort of what are consumer preferences. It can break things down by demographics. And that's going to make us better at creating more targeted outreach and understand those food consumers who are out there. And then lastly, I think, and this is, you know, feels a little more longer term to me, uh, is transportation, right? We have autonomous vehicles, um, but even things, you know, as I was getting ready for this interview, I was reading about predictive maintenance, um, and that can reduce sort of downtime with vehicles and improve safety. And as we think about labor issues and transportation issues within food and farming, I think there's some real opportunities to, uh, to use AI uh, in that transportation space. Very interesting when you talked about the language language translations as well as the labor situations. Our next session is going to look at where we're going to get our future workers on our, you know, on our hog farms and how we, you know, look at it from an international perspective and some of those folks and some of the challenges and how you go about that. So this fits really nicely into that. But let's Good. talk about con concerns and risks for a business. So if, if my business wants to start looking at some of these tools, what do I really need to be aware of when it comes to adoption or, or the use of AI? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I think is the most fascinating about that as we think about the risks within AI is um, that industry insiders, founders of ChatGPT have uh, signed a letter calling for a six month hiatus, a pause on development of artificial intelligence. And they've gone to Congress and they've said, you know, we need to slow roll this development. We need some regulation. And, you know, when, when, the, when those who create it suggest that we're moving a little too fast, I, I think that's a sign we ought to listen up, right? <laughs> um, but, but there are a lot of other concerns that have been raised um, about the use of AI, and a lot of it relates to um, disruption of employment. You, you mentioned that earlier, right? It can be an opportunity um, for, for markets and areas where labor is tight. Perhaps there are some ways AI can sub in for some folks, but we certainly don't want to disrupt employment of humans in that. Uh, we also know that AI can show bias. There have been a lot of studies done um, that suggest that, that some, you know, again, data in, data out, right? It's only as good as the data. And um, sometimes if there's, you know, it can confuse fact and fiction, um, again, can show bias. There are a number of places where they've seen it can show bias. Um, and I think one of the um, big questions that that I have, and, 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 you know, we've had some conversations internally about this is, you know, ChatGPT is free. So you got to ask yourself, where's that money? How are they making money, right? How are they making that happen? And, and you know, admittedly, I don't, I don't have those answers, but you've got to just wonder, right? We, when we ask it questions, when we offer information into it to give us something back, 
it's taking in our data. So then what's it doing with that data, right? Are they, are they using that data? Are they selling that data? If I put in incorrect information, does that, that then make it a part of chat, chat GPT? These are all questions I think we have to think about. Um, and you know, there are certainly just even bigger ethical implications, right? What if you put bad training data in or it builds a bad algorithm and can that lead to an unfair outcome or a discriminatory outcome? And there's just, there are a lot of conversations around ethical and responsible use of AI technology to make sure we're doing that right. And I think the big thing, and, and you know, you and I, Sarah, have talked before about you know, one of my big um, marching orders for the business community and certainly for agriculture right now is transparency. We, we've mm -hmm. got to be transparent. And I think there are some real red flags because there is such an inability to differentiate between AI generated content and human content. And, you know, is it transparent if a, you know, machine generated this content for you? And, and there are questions I think about plagiarism that haven't really been fully answered yet either. And so, you know, I just go back to where we started this question, which is if industry insiders are saying, well, we're going to walk this back a little bit, that to me is, is a sign that, that we all need to pay attention and, and, you know, leverage it for its benefits, but also be aware of the risks. Right, exactly. Well put. And and we talked about the AI algorithms and they do, they require a large amount of data. And as you mentioned, the, the quantity and the quality of that data can really influence how the AI performs and, and its accuracy. So, I mean, would you say, and probably we've already answered this maybe a little bit with folks saying, mm -hmm. hey, let's slow it down. But do you think part of that is from the fact that you know, we're really still kind of in the infancy of gathering this data, and we really don't have 100% confidence in, you know, what we're getting as a result out of it? Or uh, what do you what do you think where we're at on all of that? And, and how should we approach AI in our businesses when it comes to knowing that, you know, knowing mm -hmm. that, hey, maybe this isn't exactly what we, you know, what we are expecting or what we need to get out of this? I, I, we're absolutely uh, in the infancy. And, and, you know, as we've talked about, I think, you know, what scares folks is how fast it's moving, right? But, but it's here, right? It, it's certainly not going to go away at this point. And I think, you know, from a, from a pragmatic perspective, we need to accept what AI can do for us, what kinds of roles it can have in our lives and in the workplace. And, you know, it's only a matter of time until it further evolves, um, but then there is a, sort of another camp of folks who who definitely believe that humans will always be humans uh, and, and you know, machines are machines, people are people, right? And, and that's always going to be separate and distinct. But there are ways it's just, again, it's if we talked at the beginning, it's part of our everyday life right now. Um, you know, I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Um, the Wendy's company is headquartered here. Um, you know, they're exploring robot delivery underground. Uh, and you, you've probably written about that as well. And they're using AI at the drive-through and they're, they're using uh, artificial intelligence to process those orders, customize those orders. And they actually think it may be more accurate than the human element. And so that's an interesting piece. You turn on Spotify and it says, here's a list for you, right? I get on, I get on my Spotify account and it says, Hinda, here's a playlist we think you'll like. That's artificial intelligence. We should use that. Who doesn't want that? Um, we're same with Netflix, right? You get on Netflix and it says you have a 98% chance of liking this show. That's artificial intelligence. And why wouldn't we want that in our lives, right? Um, There's some interesting things happening with AI and medicine right now, too. You know, AI can sort of look at an x-ray, look at a CAT scan and identify really the smallest differentiators 
And they think that's going to lead to better diagnoses. And, and some of that just really makes sense to explore. But again, I don't think it's ever going to be a substitute for the human element. I certainly hope not. Well, and we're talking, you know, on the human side of things, but I'm, I'm assuming also when we get to the, you know, the hog barns, there's some, a lot of things that are already from a AI perspective, but even looking forward, some of those, you know, controlling the production, um, the facility itself, maybe more from an environmental standpoint or a management standpoint overall, or like you mentioned, the medical on the human side, but also for the pigs as well. I would, I would suspect there's, you know, things that we're seeing across the board. Yeah, I would think feed management, um, maybe nutrition. Um, I, I think there are lots, lots of opportunities. And again, I think there are so many opportunities to, to better improve communications within the workforce. And that's certainly a passion for me. And so I see some opportunities there, again, not to let it be a substitute for us, but, but if it breaks down some of those real-time barriers to communication that we have across our teams, I think that's a great outcome for AI. Any final thoughts to leave our audience with here today, Hinda? You know, I, I think that the most important thing for folks to remember is it's evolving and it's evolving fast. And we have to sort of just really be mindful of not getting ahead of our skis on, on how we use it. But but people should should explore it. They should they should try it out, play with it, you know, read articles about what it can mean for your business or your organization. And, and start dipping your toe in that water, because I do think it's certainly the future. It's just a question right now of just how quickly it will move. Yeah, great thing to do. Just go type in like your company name and see what comes up or ask those questions. And yeah, it, it's actually really amazing the results you get back. But, but keeping really that human about not putting in confidential information, because once it's out there in the universe, it's there. Good point. Very good point. So thank you so much today, Hinda. Hinda Mitchell, president of Inspire PR. We appreciate your time today. I'm Sarah Muirhead, and you've been listening to Feedstuffs in Focus. If you would like to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and animal feed industries, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast channel, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Until next time, have a great day, and thank you for listening.